In Scotland, when friends get together, they blether. When these three friends happen to be Scottish Blue Badge tourist guides, you can be sure that the country that they're so passionate about will be right at the heart of their discussions. Be it contemporary or historical, culinary or cultural, reminiscence or anecdote, from accommodation to zoos, the chat will range right across the entire alphabet of topics and issues that are live and happening in Scotland right now. We hope that you'll join us. There's nothing to beat a recht git blether. Welcome to this episode three of Scottish Blethers with Helen, Liz and Susan. Coming up in the next 20 to 30 minutes, we're going to explore the following themes. Liz, what are you going to be talking about? Well, I'm right bang up to the moment because I'm going to be taking the theme, It's Different in Scotland. This is Susan here, and I'm going to be talking to you a bit about childhood holidays, having just got back from a trip to one of the places we used to go. Yes, and this is Helen, and I'm going to be talking about Scottish fare, food and drink in Scotland. Yum. Well, we're going to finish the episode with each of our favourite Scots words of the week. Brilliant. Let's go for it, ladies. So, Liz, you want to kick us off? Okay, well, as I say, I'm right up to the moment, and my topic, it's different in Scotland, um, is the topic on everyone's lips at the moment. I don't want to talk about the virus itself. Um, My theme has been prompted by an article that I read recently. It appeared in the Washington Post from the States, and it appeared underneath the heading, Brits remain reticent to wear face masks, despite having the highest coronavirus death toll in Europe. Well, on reading this, before I even read the article, my hackles were up on two counts. (laughs) Good word, hackles. (laughs) Yeah, I was not happy. Um, The two counts, the first one is an old perennial, and it's something that really irritates um, particularly the Scots. And that is when people outside the UK lump us all together as the Brits, or even worse still, the English. Yeah, and uh, on this occasion, the two correspondents who wrote the article are both based in London. So you can only assume that they don't get out much because they didn't seem to have any understanding at all that the UK is actually made up of four constituent nations. And even less than that, they didn't have any idea that they have their own devolved parliament or assembly. And these parliaments or assembly have governments, which are devolved bodies, And they're responsible for legislation regarding what we refer to as devolved matters. That's matters that are devolved from Westminster, from the UK Parliament, to the local administrations. And one of these matters, which is devolved, is public health. So as a result of that, the paths that the four nations have taken through the coronavirus, and in particular in our roadmap to getting out of it and easing our way through lockdown, have been distinctly different. And that seems to be something that the two correspondents seem blissfully unaware of. They claim that the Brit response has been guilty of yes, maybe, no messaging. 
whereas Nicola Sturgeon, who's the First Minister in Scotland, has actually been praised for her clarity and her leadership. Some people have even likened her to Jacinda Ardern, the Prime Minister of New Zealand, who's really highly regarded. Because Nicola's adopted a cautious, evidence-based approach um, when she's letting the people of Scotland out of lockdown. And by and large, the people of Scotland have been right behind her. She's got very high popularity ratings and there's been a very high level of compliance across Scotland. And so there's good examples of how we've differed in our response to the virus. The article in the Washington Post states that the wearing of face masks in shops came into force on the 24th of July. Well, actually, oh, long before that. Yeah, actually, Scotland brought it in two weeks before that yes. on the 10th of July. And when Boris opened the pubs in England, he did it quite quickly and it was on a Saturday. Well, you can imagine a Saturday night. They were absolutely <laughs> heaving. Whereas Nicola took a more cautious approach and she opened them later on a Monday. Now, it's not surprising that the media have been quick to politicise these differences because Nicola is the leader of the Scottish Nationalist Party in Scotland, as well as being our First Minister. And their raison d'etre is, of course, independence. So they all think that it's in Nicola's interest to go her own way. And this came to a head when the media asked Nicola if she would ever close the border with England. And she replied quite sensibly that she wouldn't rule out anything when it came to protecting the people of Scotland and keeping them safe. Well, you can just imagine it. It was like the blue touch paper. Boris was on the telly immediately calling it astonishing and shameful. And he claimed that there is no border between Scotland and England. Oh, given I've been the fact, across that quite a few times. Exactly. Yes. It was established in 1237. It's 96 miles long and it marks the end of the Scottish government's authority. So as Nicola said, if she went into Newcastle and started telling the people there what to do, she was sure that Nicola wouldn't, uh, that Boris wouldn't be long in responding to that. So it's caused a little bit of a heated debate um, in the UK. However, given the state of Scotland's economy at the moment, and also the fact that 70% of our tourism comes from the rest of the UK, I don't really think that there's much chance that they're going to be closing that border anytime soon. So what do you think of that, ladies? What's your comments and take on that situation? Well, it's been quite it's quite interesting because obviously um, we've had our big long lockdown and then it was eased sooner in England than it was in Scotland, but it's had to be reimposed in different parts of, I'm going to say the UK, because it's not just England that's had to reimpose these controls, but Scotland has too recently up in Aberdeenshire. Um, again, back to the evidence-based, there was a cluster of cases around a bar, which was then extended out um, because I think there was, about, there was another 12 establishments yes. that were implicated. Yeah. Uh, and there's been about 60 cases recorded. So, you know, she's... What what we're doing is we're re-implementing um, these these kind of lockdowns where necessary. So it's not about the border between Scotland and England. It's about the border between the infected and the non-infected. Exactly. Really. Yeah, I would agree with you, Susan. And I think that um, Nicola Sturgeon, our first minister, has done a marvellous job. She has kept politics well and truly out of her uh, drive and leadership to keep Scotland safe with this virus. And I think I've got to say that um, the other uh, nations of Wales and Northern Ireland, uh, their first ministers have done a similarly good job. Um, Nicola has been very clear in what she, we are allowed to do. 
uh, and she's not she's not varied from her path. Um, but Liz, going back to your very first statement about uh, lumping Brits all together, I agree with you entirely because we we are different. We have got different cultures. We have got different ways of doing things, and um, I think that. Um, it would be good if the rest of the world would recognise that the, U the United Kingdom is made up of four nations. Never mind the rest of the world. It would be good if uh, some within the UK were <laughs> recognising that, in particular the yes. BBC, the British Broadcasting Council. Yes. I remember when I used to go overseas and represent Scotland at recruitment fairs across the world and the British Council director would stand up and say, when you come to study in England... And I'd put my hand up and say, and Scotland, you know, oh, yes, yes, of course, and Scotland and Northern Ireland and Wales. Um, yeah, when you yeah. come across to, um, to, to Britain, then you'll need to have A-levels. And I would put my hand up again and say, well, we don't study <laughs> in Scotland, we study hires. So it's this lack of understanding of the differences yes. across yes. The, the, um, the United Kingdom. And I think it's a lack of understanding of how annoying it is. Absolutely. I mean, we've got all oh, these Scots just want to be independent. And look, I'm sat on the fence as far as that's concerned. And I know, Helen, you said that, you know, Nicola's done very well at, at not playing politics. I can see a few occasions where <laughs> I would have said there was a bit of politics getting played over coronavirus and the, the difference between Boris's response and Nicola's. Um, but generally, I think she's done a pretty good job. But I still yeah. think there's a bit of politics getting played, you know, loosely on the sidelines. Um, but this whole, yes, I went to university in France for two years uh, out of my four years. And everybody, all the French kept on talking about les Anglais, the, the English. I'm like... Well, you can't be talking about me because I'm Scottish. Yes. And and like you, you know, you're constantly um, reminding people, no, this is not England. This is yes. Scotland. I, I know that going back to France, when I was in France, um, I think the most repeated phrase I had was, non, just me écossaise. <laughs> I'm <laughs> yes, Scottish. No, I am Scottish. Yes, Indeed. right. But, you know, in terms of the article, going back to your article, is you know, it's talking about the reluctance to wear face masks, to be honest, it has been embraced in Scotland. Oh, yes. yes um, and everywhere you go, you will see people going into shops, going into supermarkets, wearing their face masks. You know, it doesn't have to be a, a, a kind of hospital style face mask. It can be a buff. It can be a face covering of any type. So it can, you know, be a, a neck covering that you pull up over your mouth. Um, yeah. It can be a scarf. As long as you've got your mouth and nose covered, that's fine. And and people are very good at putting them on. And certainly if somebody doesn't have one on the way in, they're usually tackled, not, yes. not literally, but yes. uh, figuratively, they're usually tackled by somebody there to say, uh, where's your face mask? Or sorry, you can't come in. You've I must confess one. that I think it's a large part of that is the, the Scottish nature looking for a good argument that, you know, if there's anybody that they can point out and um, be controversial about it. But yeah, it's becoming an issue because, of course, there's some people who, for health reasons, um, can't wear uh, the face mask. Yeah. So I, I heard on the news this morning that there's a lobby for some sort of card or badge that they can wear to explain why they're not wearing a face mask because it's, it's leading to uh, controversy. It's, it's also interesting, I, I talked about public health being one of these devolved powers. The devolved powers are things that are really um, unique to the each of the countries, things like education, like health, um, the, the legal system as well. Um, I was hearing from a friend that works in the health service that in Scotland, when health was devolved, 
public health was part of that. And now in the in the pandemic, we are dependent on um, test and track. And when Scotland got the devolved powers for public health, they kept their test and track service for things like HIV and other um, public health dangers. England privatised it because they thought, oh, there's not going to be any need for that. And if we do need it, we can always buy it in from the private sector. And I think that's why Scotland has been more effective in being able to, to nail down the test and track um, system, which is, is going to be absolutely vital if we're going to get on top of this virus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I just hope that, you know, whatever we end up doing, it's it's a good tool in the fight against COVID-19 oh, absolutely. because it's more than enough yeah. people died and been infected so far. Yeah. And let's hope that, we, you know, that the numbers continue to drop and hopefully we can get a vaccine very shortly. And I think Definitely. it's also I think it's also vital to point out that while Boris is saying that there's no border, he has self-styled himself as the minister for the union. And of course, the Conservative and Unionist Party, um, very much in favour of keeping the four nations together. And it's um, it's vital to say that ultimately, when it comes down to it, the Constitution is a retained matter, retained by Westminster. So there won't be any further referendum on independence until go ahead. And uh, it'll be interesting to see. Nobody's talking politics at the moment. We've all got other things on our mind. No, it's going to be right. interesting to see what happens longer term. Yeah, as we, as well, we plus we've got elections next year, so that's going to be interesting too. Yeah, if nothing else, it's taken our mind off Brexit for a while. Absolutely, yes. And that's <laughs> been a relief. Let's not start on that's that. That's been a relief. <laughs> <laughs> a topic for the future, ladies. Yes, Indeed. absolutely. Okay, so um, having been... Talking about bang up to the moment, Susan, over to you to reflect on some of your childhood holidays. I have a great love for the west coast of Scotland. Um, And this comes from childhood holidays we spent there, uh, really from about the age of five or as long as I can remember, um, right up until our late teens. And we started going to Arran to start off with because that was where um, my mum had been a couple of times with her sisters and theirs families. So she's she's one of five. So there would be a number of the families go together so the kids could play. But then we moved to Carradale, which was somewhere my mum had been on her holidays when she was a child and her parents had been. Uh, and it's great because I spoke in the last episode about doing some genealogy research. Well, I went down to see my great uncle Alan and he was telling me some stories um, about when they moved to Carradale for a month in the summer um, down in the Mullican Tire and they would literally fill up a truck with things including mattresses and washing machines and the (laughs) truck would leave by road for Carradale but they would get the steamer boat down and they would uh, get the boat very early in the morning from Greenock and it would steam down the Mullican Tire and get them down to Carradale later in that day whilst the poor people in the truck were, were left to do that. Now, that was somewhere my, my, my parents and my grandparents went to and they were based out of the west of Scotland. They were Airdrie and that was where they went to and there was a number of local families that went as well. Um, but I do know other families that used to go east and they used to go to Ely and Fife and all along the Fife coast there. Yeah, that's that's where we used to go. Ah, there you go. Um, so yeah, so you used to go to east, and then we were always west. Liz, did you have any regular family haunts? Well, I was very fortunate because my father worked his career was with British Rail, and part of the salary package with British Rail was that you got a number of free trips 
And so oh. whereas most of my, my friends would be going on holiday like yourselves in Scotland, we had this free pass where the holiday, where the family could go and our favourite place was Bournemouth. Um, so right. like you, we would pack a trunk in advance and the trunk uh-huh. would be shipped ahead on the on the train and then we would go down, we would stop off in London and uh, the usual routine in London was to go to one of the Lion's Corner houses. Oh, yes. Which were yes. a speciality, uh, <laughs> uh, like a, a McDonald's of their time, yes, an upmarket McDonald's, well, I would describe them as. Very upmarket McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> if I had some project on at school, like um, it would be in India or Australia or something, we would go to the, the embassy and collect all the pamphlets and leaflets for my school project. And then we'd can continue on our way down to Bournemouth. But as well as that big holiday each year, um, we also took holidays in Scotland and that's lasted a lifetime and we, yeah. we tend to go to the Highlands. Yeah. So I'm wondering, you know, have, have you ladies got the same memories as me? You know, it didn't matter what the weather was. It was oh. like, just put on your jacket. It might be raining, but we're going to go for a walk along the beach and then we'll go for an ice cream. Absolutely. And in fact, my sister was here yesterday and she was she brought some photographs that she's found. She's clearing up, clearing out one of her houses and she found some photographs of myself and my two sisters, probably, well, primary school age, you know, pre-age 11. And uh-huh. we're sitting on the beach this time it was at Brotty Ferry because we'd be going to see my grandparents. And my children and grandchildren were laughing because the three of us are wearing our school uniform. That was our best outfit. Oh the school, school grey divided skirt, certainly with a wee t-shirt top and the school blazer. And my father is sitting there. And the weather is, as you described, um, Susan, not not blue skies Not and sunshine. Not always the best. <laughs> Sometimes it was. And my father was never photographed um, without his um, sports jacket because it was a Saturday, collar and tie, his, his mummy knitted socks and his shoes. He did not like the beach. So he wore his socks and shoes. Oh my goodness. Do but, you remember, do you remember ladies when you came out of the water? I don't know if you had it, but when we came out of the water, blue <laughs> in colour and shivering, we got what was oh, called yes. a chittery piece. A chittery bite, that's right. A chittery bite, piece, yes. a chittery bite um, yes. where it was a, a, a little biscuit, usually two yes. digest. In my case, it was two yes. digest. A link to get with butter. Half, half roll sandwich with butter, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. I always remember yeah. Billy Conley, who does the famous routine, where um, he talks about the um, the crew going out to the oil rigs and how they get special training and they get survival equipment. And if they go into the water, they've got these survival suits that will enable them to survive. And he said, and there you have the mothers on the beach saying, away you wee Jesse, get into the water and don't be so silly. <laughs> Yes, yeah, well, quite comfortably on the beach with a, a rug over their legs, usually. Yeah, and the, yes. the other thing, the other photographs were us in, in the water, as you're saying, Liz, in the water, but we always had woolen swimsuits. Yes, and I remember was, that. And all the sand stuck to them. Stuck to everything. And then you, you if it was cold, you had a, a woolen cardigan on as well. And so you just, that was <laughs> oh, it. Oh my heavens, you, I missed a out survival all suit. Oh. The thought of a woolen bathing suit, my heavens, ladies. Oh, With yes. sand stuck to it. It started, it started to droop down to your knees. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, I have to ask as well, you know, when you were at the beach, we, I, when I was a kid, we used to make um, little beach gardens. So if you found some stones or some shells, you know, you'd have maybe a sandcastle in the middle and you'd build uh-huh. a wall around the outside of it, just a little one, and you'd take little flower heads and plant them and you'd have your little beach garden. Did you guys do that as well? 
Absolutely. Yeah, and we al- did. And also um, burying your parent up to their neck or, your, yeah. or a sibling. <laughs> there used to be talking about your, sand, your sandcastle garden. There were sandcastle competitions on most of the beaches as well. Yes. You know, you'd, you'd, you'd go down and there'd be people there organising sandcastle competitions. It was There were good sociable days. Punch and Judy shows. Do you remember those? Oh, Yes. Oh my God, you're yes. before my time, ladies. Definitely. Okay, tell us. So, what are your I, memories, Susan? So, 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 what did they have for entertainment? You know your... what? We entertained ourselves because there were so many kids. It was a you would you know go and run into the water, but you had to be careful. You'd make your sandcastle gardens. You'd go rock pooling. Oh, I yes. love oh, yeah. rock that's, pooling. Yeah, that's great. Crawling over the rocks to see what was in the little pools left when the the water went down. It was anemones. It was yes. maybe little crabs. There might be little minnows or something. And um, you'd see all the different types of seaweed. Um, and you know. As I say, rain or shine, you would go for a walk. And it's funny because just a few days ago, I was back down the West Coast for four days with my mum and my aunt. And they were telling some of the stories of things they got up to. But um, we went for a walk along the beach at Cardale, Silver Sands. And the beach is not as long as I remember it. I mean, it's still a good sized beach, but it's not as long as I remember it as a child. And I remember us, you know, just having to go for walks down there. It didn't matter what the weather was doing. We had some lovely sunny days, don't get me wrong. But other days it was welly boots and waterproofs and along the beach and then through the back by the caravan park and out to the glen for an ice cream. But Um, it's interesting when you're talking about that. I remember, as you say, the weather, sometimes it's good and sometimes it's very Scottish. And we were on holiday, a fortnight holiday to Crail. Now, Crail Mm -hmm. is, you know, now you go to Crail in just about an hour. Uh-huh. Along the south coast. That's right. It was a day's expedition to get to Creole. So we stayed for a fortnight. And one day it was arranged that we would go, the people in the guest house would all club together and we'd charter a boat to go out to the Isle of May. And oh, in those yes. days, no health and safety. The Isle of May is in the Firth of Forth. No health and safety. It was just a fishing boat that was not fishing that day. Um, and we sat on the deck of the fishing boat amongst all the, the nets, etc., and went out. And it was a very stormy day out to the Isle of May. And it was when the lighthouse was actually operational with a lighthouse keeper. So we oh, wow. went up to see the lighthouse as well. And that is a memory that is just absolutely stuck in my mind um, of that day in the pouring rain going on the choppy Firth of Forth to the Isle of May and seeing the lighthouse and going up to the light. So Brilliant. memories, that's what they're all about. Holidays, childhood holidays, just memories. Exactly. Part of the memories is all about the food. So that brings us on nicely to your topic, Helen. Have a blether. Well, thank you, Susan. Well, Scottish Fair, um, we had a pretty poor um, reputation for Scottish and being a bit plain fair, but actually no more. No more. We just love our food and drink in Scotland. It's the very heart of Scotland. It's the very lifeblood of Scotland's culture and economy. We like to eat and drink. Scotland's stunning landscapes are more than just scenery. People come for the scenery, but it's coast and countryside are where our high quality produce is reared and gathered and grown. From the mouth-watering Aberdeen Angus steaks to the world-renowned seafoods, soft fruits of Fife and Angus, to Ayrshire potatoes. And we still have not mentioned haggis. Haggis, a word that fills the visitor to Scotland with fear. Fear that they might have to eat it. 
Let's just get rid of that fear now. Haggis represents the best of Scottish cooking, using every part of the animal and adding lots of flavour and spices. Personally, I love haggis and will serve it regularly as the main meal, along with champet tatties and bashet neeps. That's mashed potatoes and turnips. Over the past 20 years or more, Scottish chefs have recognised the amazing ingredients they have on their doorsteps, so there are plenty of options when it comes to eating out in Scotland. You can find all manner of restaurants, cosy pubs, elegant tea rooms, as well as Michelin-starred restaurants across Scotland. Hopefully, they'll all be open up soon. One of my favourite places is the Green Shack on Oban Pier. Serving oh, fresh yes. landed yes, fresh landed crabs, oysters, mussels, lobsters, all al fresco and all world class. Local butchers and fishmongers, as well as farm shops and farmers markets, are great places places to shop and browse among the produce and stop and speak to the producers. They're always very happy to talk to you about their produce. We also have a very sweet tooth in Scotland and Scottish tablet is stunning. It's a bit like fudge, but very different and distinct from fudge. You must try it. A shortbread biscuit with your cup of tea is also good, and of course we have our Tunnock's tea cakes and caramel wafers. Well, as far as drink goes, we have our whisky, our biggest export. 40 bottles of Scotch whisky are shipped overseas every second. We have over 100 craft brewers in Scotland, producing a wide variety of specialist beers. And then there's gin. Scotland is responsible for more than half of the gin production in the UK, with over 50 gin producers making around 100 different gins. Oh, wonderful to do a gin tasting. But let's not forget Iron Brew, Scotland's other national drink. I understand that Iron Brew outsells Coca-Cola in Scotland, and if you've had too much whiskey, beer or gin, then a glass of Iron Brew will sort your sore head. So, Liz, sweet or savoury for you? Oh, a bit of both, a bit of both in the correct order. Of course, I've always got to finish off every meal with something sweet. Yes. Um, so I do have that that sweet tooth, but uh, I like my savoury as well. I like my haggis, I enjoy my haggis. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and at the moment in, in Scotland, like the rest of the UK, something that we all have, have in common at the moment, we're getting 50% reductions on certain days of the week if we go out and eat in a restaurant to try and boost the economy again. I've got my um, dinner booked for Wednesday evening in the Rowan Tree, which is a nice little oh, country hotel yes. um, up in uh, outside Aviemore. So uh, trying to get you know, people that you would normally support, um, trying to bring back business to them again because they've been hard hit. Yes, well, last night, uh, we, I, well, we came back from the West Coast yesterday and I came back with some lovely West Coast produce, scallops, lovely. prawn tails and langoustines. Uh, and luckily, there's a very good cook in this household and he cooked them up and we had it with uh, baby potatoes from Scotland lovely. and some salad. And then afterwards, we had Scottish strawberries and raspberries. So it was a totally Scottish fair night last night. And I'm telling you, the langoustines were so sweet and juicy. And the scallops, oh, what can I say? Scottish fair. The shellfishers haven't been able to export their produce to their traditional markets in Spain and France. And so they've been selling it on the dockside. Um, So the local people have had a feast. Mm, Because I I think up till this year... 
I can't remember the exact figures, I think like 50% of the langoustines um, in Spain are coming from Scotland. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, I mean, it's... you see the refrigerated trucks on the roads and stuff, yes. huge, big refrigerated trucks yes. uh, going down to France and Spain. And of course, it's all it's all very changed days to, you know, growing up in the traditional fair, which would be stovies on Mondays. Yes. Remember stovies, which I was do. made up the roast beef on Sunday. It's usually a, a, top, a pot roast on the top and there's not enough meat left to do the family on Monday. So you made it into stovies, which was basically... Um, braising potatoes, sliced potatoes in the the juices of the beef and cutting up what beef was left with some onions and that was your meal on Mondays. And I actually preferred the stovies on the Monday to the roast beef on the Sunday. It's a beautiful taste, the the, the properly made stovies. But of course everybody has their own recipe for stovies and not everybody makes it that way, Helen. A lot nowadays will make it with sausage and corned beef. Corned beef and yes, no, no, I like the traditional yeah, and of course the other traditional meal that we used to have was mince and tatties. Yeah, love which that. Which is just, I think, for those who might know what mince is, it's ground beef um, and potatoes. Tatties is a Scottish word for potatoes. Yeah, of course. You either in your mince and tatties, you needed to put a mealy pudding. A oh, mealy yes. pudding is a meal yeah. pudding. So yeah. you maybe heard of black pudding, which is yeah. blood pudding, but a mealy pudding is white pudding. So yeah. it's um, a bit like haggis, but without the meat in it. It's um, and it, and you put it inside your mince while it's cooking, and sometimes it bursts and it goes all through the mince. Delicious. And my father's favourite with mince and tatties was a dough ball, yeah, which was just made with suet and flour and water, and just rolled into a wee ball. Or as we called it, a dough boy. A dough boy. Yes, <laughs> that's right. That's right. And the other thing, well. For soups, we love our soup in Scotland. We usually just my my soups are te- usually just kind of clear clear the fridge soups. Whatever you happen to have in the vegetable rack or the fridge, put it all together with stock, and that was your soup. But my favourite soup in the whole world is Cullen skink. My husband's Cullen's... a specialty. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're it's... going to have to explain that one for our listeners. Yes. Cullen skink is a like a fish chowder made with well it used to be traditionally made with a finnan haddie a smoked haddock um and then with potatoes and perhaps some leeks and it was just oh you could dance and on the lots top of, of it it was lots lovely of cream as well yes. so cream like a chowder like a chowder just wonderful and then of course the poor man's version is just tatty soup which is potatoes and leek um and stock lovely and then of course liz you mentioned your sweet tooth what about Cranachan? Yep. Yes. Cranachan's raspberries and cream and toasted oats. Just lovely. And then the a old bit of school honey puddings. and a bit of whiskey. Oh, yes. I forgot I forgot the drink in it. Oh, my goodness. Indeed. And then, of course, the school puddings of a lovely rice pudding. I love a good creamed rice made on top of the stove. With cinnamon fruit- on the top. Oh, yes. Or nutmeg. Nutmeg it would nutmeg, be. Nutmeg. Nutmeg, yes. No, I'm afraid, ladies, you're leaving me behind on that one. (laughs) (laughs) But do you remember the days when dinner was at dinner time and dinner time was the middle of the day? I think that's a whole different topic, Helen. I think we need to go on to high teas and afternoon teas and put the world to right on that. that, Yes. But for another day. So, Liz, on to word of the day. What's your word of the day? 
Well, I've tried to keep it themed to my original topic of it's different in Scotland. So when I was talking about my hackles rising, I was getting angry or getting annoyed about it. A word which has come into the, the Scottish language, it's a very popular word at the moment. It's more a West Coast Glasgow word. That word is raging. I was raging when I read that article. I was very angry. I was so annoyed. So raging is my word of the day. What about you, Helen? Yeah, well, my word of the day again, linked to what I was talking about, food and drink. And at the end of the meal, you might just think, oh, I'm just stop it, foo. I just couldn't eat another bite. And George IV, apparently, uh, after he had a meal um, in you know, big banquet, he ate quite a lot, George IV. He just sat back and undid the bottom button of his waistcoat because he was stop it, foo. And Susan, your word? Uh, my word is peely wally. Oh, a lovely word. Uh, peely wally is basically um, the colour that, that you were before you went on your holidays. You were very peely wally. You were very <laughs> pale. Um, or maybe it's a colour that you would be in the winter. Or if you were if, if you were looking or feeling ill, some say, oh, you're looking awfully peely wally. Yeah. Uh, and that would say, oh, you're, as in to say, either you're not looking very well or you have not the colors kind of drained out of you you've not got much uh, color to you so you might be peely wally at the beginning of your holiday but by the end you might have a little bit of a tan or something like that yeah the celtic complexion you've got a good few freckles that might even be joining together there we have it our blether for this week if you'd like to engage with us on social media, everybody out there and um, we're on twitter, instagram and facebook as scottish blethers We'd love to hear what you think of the episode and any topics that you might like us to cover in the in future blethers. So please do get in touch. So it's cheery bye from me. Ta-ta the new from me. And if I don't see you through the week, I'll see you through the windy from me. Bye. See ya. Bye. <laughs>